God of holy rest, on the seventh day you paused, laying down the work of creation and entered into sacred stillness. Let us remember we were freed from slavery in Egypt and you called us to be people of liberation. Kindle in us the strength to say no to a world of perpetual busyness. Inspire us to set aside all of our plans and goals to receive the lavish gift of rest for ourselves. Let the Sabbath be a time of profound renewal, of intimate connection with you, and a rekindling of our holy desires to be of service. Sustain in us the desire to simply be and not succumb to the demands of productivity and an endless string of achievements. Let our lives be a loving witness to a world of restoration and refreshment, of the profound goodness of joy and delight taking pleasure in the generous gift of pausing.
gather. Thanks for being with us today. My name is Josh, and I'm the pastor here. Uh, in just a second, we're going to say our confession of faith that we do every week. But before we do that, uh, I just thought we could take a second and acknowledge that it is Mother's Day. It's a beautiful day of celebration uh, for many, and it is also uh, a really complicated day for a lot of us. Uh, a lot of a really painful day, maybe. Uh, for you, or if nothing else, you just don't know exactly how to feel today. And all of that is fine. And so I want to let you in on a couple things today, okay? My whole sermon isn't about moms. It's not a sermon for moms or about moms. I'm going to talk about my mom at the end of the sermon, but this isn't like, this isn't Mother's Day heavy, okay? But I do want to let you know that if you are a mom, we love you. We appreciate you. We see you. Uh, If you're not a mom and you're struggling with that today, We love you. We appreciate you. We see you. Uh, If you're struggling today with your relationship with your mom, we love you. We appreciate you. We see you. If you're struggling today because you've lost your mom, we love you. We appreciate you. We see you. I know today is complicated. And so I thought we could take just a couple moments before we say our confession of faith and just center ourselves with a few deep breaths, and maybe just try to feel all of that, whatever it is today, maybe it's gratitude, maybe it's anger or grief, just feel it for just a moment. God, today for all of it, we pray, Lord, have mercy. Now gather, we're going to say our confession of faith. I'll I'll speak this confession of faith on our behalf, and then I'll say a prayer for us. So gather, this is the faith we are seeking. We are seeking an expansive faith. We believe our theological system should always be growing wider and including more. We are seeking a faith rooted in the person and the practice of Jesus. We believe Jesus is God and is worthy of our worship and our imitation. We are seeking a faith built on a foundation of theological minimalism. We believe in holding tight to the first things of faith and living open-handed with the rest. We are seeking a faith marked by curiosity. We believe we should always have more questions than we do answers. And we are seeking a faith filled with compassion. We believe our beliefs are never more important than the person right in front of us. And so gather today as we prepare to open the scriptures, let's pray together. God, we are here today as seekers, not seeking answers, but seeking wisdom not seeking doctrine, but seeking a way of life inspired by the radical love of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we are now in the third week. I don't know if you can hear the siren going by or just me. We have a lively building. It's lively on Sundays. It's lively uh, all the time here. Uh, It's a lively place. So it's just like if you were here in person. But uh, we are now in the third week in our journey through the book of Acts. And we've been reminding you uh, that Acts is the story of the church coming alive. And everything that's alive is changing. And so this book, the book of Acts, is the story of the church changing editing itself, reviewing and changing. It's really one change after the other, after the other. And so Acts isn't uh, the picture of an idealized, perfect model church for all churches throughout time. Acts is really just snapshots of the first few changes the church is making. And so today I want to have a conversation with you about the church changing from an institution to a family from an institution to a family. And I am hoping that this is a change that the church 
in general, the whole church is still willing to make from an institution to a family. Because institutions are primarily concerned with institutional survival and continuity. We've talked about this before. And that means that almost always that survival and that continuity are prioritized over individual harm or individual safety. In an institution, the powerful get protected in order to protect that institution. And the institution may sacrifice the one for the many. And the ends always justify the means if the ends are institutional survival and continuity. It's really just textbook religion. And it's how the disciples thought about their religious expression uh, in first century Jerusalem. As Jews, they were taught to protect and continue on this institution. There were temple laws and regulations to protect and continue on this institution. Laws on top of laws on top of laws to ensure continuity. But then we get this passage in Acts chapter 4. You may be familiar with it. And this is what it says. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, in them all that there were no needy persons among them from from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. This just isn't institutional. This is a family. This is a picture of a family caring for those who need it most, not just for those who are most important. United as a family, one heart and mind. This is a picture of the church moving and shifting and editing. It's a dynamic church moving from an institution to a family. And, and the thing that kind of jumps out at us a lot of times when we read this passage, you may be familiar with it, are these practices. So the practice of sharing possessions, of selling your land to care for the poor, those practices kind of jump out at you um, and they should because they're very Im impressive. Those are awesome and they're really intense. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to sell any of your land or open a joint bank account with anyone in our community today. Uh, but the practices are not actually um, all that new or different for the first century Jews. This isn't the change that the church is making. These practices aren't the shift. The, these practices are actually what God had asked his people to do all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy. God had asked his people to behave like this. Now, they, they hadn't really done it, but God had been asking them to behave like this for a long time. So these practices weren't the new thing happening in the church. In Deuteronomy 15, this is what it says. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. This is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loans they have made to a fellow Israelite. They shall not require payment from anyone among their own people because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. This is called the year of Jubilee. Can you imagine if no one had any debt? There wouldn't be very many poor people. However, there need, however, there need be no poor people among you. This is Deuteronomy 15, verse 4. There need be no poor people among you. There doesn't have to be anyone that's poor. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. If anyone is poor among you, 
in any of the towns or the land that the Lord God is giving you. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. This is what God was already asking his people to do all the way back in Deuteronomy. So in Acts chapter 4, when we see this happening, though it is impressive and it is awesome and it is difficult, these practices are not new. This is not a shift. This isn't really a change. Caring for one another isn't what created this shift from an institution to a family. That, that, that's not the new thing here. It's not the practices that are new. It's the power dynamics. Right? Acts 4 shows us a dramatic shift in the power dynamics. That's what changes this from an institution to a family. The generosity practices are amazing, but you can do that institutionally. The reason this is a, a family and not an institution is because of the power dynamics. These are different kinds of religious power structures than existed before. In Acts chapter 4, there is no temple system. There is no priest mediating. There is no earthly king receiving credit. In fact, it says that the testimony isn't about the generosity of an earthly king. It's not about how amazing the apostles are at administering all of this. The testimony, it says, was about the resurrection of Jesus. The church leaders receive no credit for how this is going. That's a big deal. The church leaders, the most important people in the group, receive no credit. There is no testimony about them. That's almost as crazy as a church going on a mission trip and not bringing their video crew. It's just unbelievable. Almost unthinkable. The apostles aren't getting credit because the temple, the religious hierarchy, the power structure of the day is dismantled. This isn't institutional religion. The important people need not get any credit because verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and in mind. This is the shift from an institution to a family. The practices are amazing. They are impressive, but that is not the new thing. That is not the change here. The real change is in the power dynamics. It's not the powerful that get protected. In fact, it's the poor that get lifted up and they get cared for. This isn't an institution. It's a family. And in general, I think this is all an idea that we are in for. We like this. We all feel the out-of-balance negative power dynamics in our world. And we can see those playing out in different ways. And I think for the most part, we are in for dismantling unhealthy institutions. And most of us have a pretty already a pretty uh, healthy distrust of institutions in general. I, th I think we get that. But I do think we can learn something from this today. Because when the church, when the people of God, when they make this shift this change from institution to family, it really starts in Acts chapter two. We see it play out in Acts chapter four. This is like how it's happening, but it really starts in Acts chapter two when the spirit of God sweeps down and empowers everyone. Peter quotes the prophet Joel and he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. This is the dismantling of the religious power structure. Everybody gets empowered by God. Not the important people, not the priests, not the people who have the most money, not the powerful. Everybody, the servants, the old men, the young men, the women, Everybody is empowered by the Spirit of God and is participating in the work of God. And listen, I know we're in for eliminating these unhealthy institutions, 
But I think what we revert back to and what we rely on so often are gatekeepers and gurus. Just stay with me. Gatekeepers and gurus. I think this is the power structure that needs to be dismantled, the institutions that need to shift in our life away from gatekeepers and gurus and back to a family. If we're tearing down the institution, if we're replacing it with a family where the spirit of God is really empowering everyone, then we don't need any more gatekeepers or gurus. Gurus, You don't need anyone to let you in the door. I'll just tell you again, you don't need anyone to let you in the door. You are the walking temple of the Holy Spirit. No one gets to tell you that you are in or out. There are no more gatekeepers. And you don't need a guru. Listen, I know that may not be a word you use, but I see this all the time, that people leave unhealthy religious structures and systems, unhealthy churches, whatever it is, unhealthy systems of belief. They leave that and then they immediately search out a new person to tell them what to do. And there are like thousands and thousands of people on social media that are claiming to be able to guide people through a deconstruction of their faith and then a reconstruction of their faith. But listen, you don't need a guru. You don't need a guide. You have everything you need. And just in case you didn't know, I am not your guru. You have everything you need to connect with and participate with God. Listen, I can speak from my own experience and I can remind you who you already are but I cannot be your guru. You are alive and you have everything you need. It's time for all of us at every level of the church in every way, it's time for all of us to live into this shift, this change in power dynamics and embracing the church as a family, not an institution where we all protect and where we're all protected, where we all give and we all receive, where we all help and we are all helped. This is no longer an institution with gatekeepers and gurus and powerful people that are protected and the poor that are sacrificed. This is a family, united, one heart and mind. And so for you, do you think of the church as more of a family or more of an institution? More of a family or more of an institution? And I wonder what your experience has been. If the church is institutional for you, you might think of uh, church leaders as gatekeepers. You get to tell people who are in or out. And you might think of the church as an institution that has to survive and continue and, and people's individual safety and harm can be sacrificed in order that the church continue and survive. I wonder if you think about it more as an institution or as a family where everyone participates, everyone's empowered. As a family where everyone is helped and helping, where everyone is cared for and caring, protected and and protecting. Do you think about it more as an institution or a family? And do you feel like you rely on or require a gatekeeper or a guru? That you need somebody to tell you you're in? Or you need somebody to guide you? Listen, stepping in to your God-given identity is the easiest way for you to tear down religious power structures. Listen, know who you are, that you are 
created, loved, rescued, forgiven, and free. Know who you are so that you don't need anybody else to tell you. No one gets to keep you in, keep you out, or let you in if you already know who you are and where you stand. Right? Living in to your God-given identity is the easiest way to tear down these unhealthy religious power structures to say, I'm already in the family. I don't need you to tell me that. I'm already in, I'm participating. I'm a walking temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? This change we see in Acts 4 is the church living out their identity as a family, no longer an institution primarily concerned with survival or continuity. This is a family that cares. So uh, a couple weeks ago, my mom sent me a little snippet from a baby book of mine. It's just a, a picture and, and um, it had a, a prompt for her to write something in. And the prompt said, mom's hopes for your future. And my mom wrote for me, her hopes for my future. She wrote, my hopes for you are very simple. I want you to grow up to be a happy and confident person. I want you to always know that with Jesus, you can be or do anything that you dream of. I will always love you and be proud of you. So she sent me this a couple weeks ago, took a picture of it, baby book, sent it to me. And she said, my hopes have never changed. It's moms that remind us. It's moms that remind us that we don't need to be an institution, that all we need is a family. My mom didn't say, my mom didn't say, I hope you are successful and that people think really well of you and that you have a good public image. That would be institutional. No, of, co of course she didn't say that. What she said was, you can be whatever you dream of and I will always love you. It's moms that remind us that we don't need to be an institution. We just need a family. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the people of God finally start acting like a family, finally start doing all the things that God had always been asking them to do. I don't think it's a coincidence that they finally start doing all those things and acting in those sorts of ways as soon as the women get included. In Acts chapter two, the spirit comes and it says the women will prophesy. The women get to participate in the work of God. The spirit of God empowers women to participate and almost immediately the church finally lives in to who it's called to be. I don't think it's a coincidence. There are no families without the love, care, and leadership of strong women. And by the way, the spirit of God in the Hebrew is a feminine noun. God is represented in the Bible as a mother and a father. It's no coincidence that as soon as women are included, the church finally lives up to who it's made to be. And so today on Mother's Day, moms, and especially to my mom and to Katie, who is the perfect mom to our boys, I want to say thank you. You call us all to who we are made to be. You call us to care and to be cared for, to protect and to be protected, to help and to be helped. You call us to be family. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. May you retire an institutional spirituality. No more gatekeepers or gurus. Be empowered by the spirit of God that calls you family. May it be so. 
Amen. Uh, we're now going to participate in a couple moments of silence and reflection. Uh, there will be some breath prayers on the screen that you can pray through. And then at the end of that time, I'll be back to lead us through our gospel proclamation. And we'll use that today as our benediction. gather hear this good news today you were created by God and God calls you good you are loved by God and God calls you child you are rescued by God and God calls you holy and by the power of God through Jesus Christ you are loved forgiven and free created loved rescued forgiven and free this is who you are this is the fundamental truth of your identity, whether you feel it or not. You belong to God from eternity to eternity. Thanks be to God. Amen. Gather. Go in peace.